Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canada Nickel, advancing the Crawford Nickel Sulfide Project and unlocking the Timmins Nickel District. Single-handedly. Well, no, no, there's actually a little bit of a team going on now, which is great. Um, look, I want to catch up with you because we spoke when we were face-to-face -face in uh, Cape Town. Yep. And now we're face-to-face -face in London. It's a habit for me, isn't it? Um, but the thing I want to pick you up on, right? Sure. So when we spoke in Cape Town, you, you just announced the Anglo deal, yep. which is great. Yep. Nice, nice, uh, something, nice group to have on the share register. But you also then followed up with a bought deal, which I wasn't, didn't know was on the cards. Right. Where did that come from? Yeah, so so we announced a twenty million baht deal. You know, the the evening after we announced the Anglo deal. Um, you know, the key key piece there is you know you take money when it's available. Uh, again, we're in ongoing discussions. You always want to be ready to tap the market when the market's there. Again, we didn't know what the institutional reaction going to you know to the Anglo deal was going to be. We assumed it was favorable. You know, but remember at that time, yeah, Putin was talking about lobbying. Uh, you know, going nuclear. Um, and, and amping up the war in Ukraine. You know, we had uh, a bunch of additional economic uncertainty coming to the table, you know, and, and you know, what that trajectory was going to look like. So, you know, when you had the ability to raise another $20 million at the same price that uh, Anglo-American just paid um, between the combination, it, it just made a lot of sense to, to get the money in the bank now. That keeps us through till early 2024. By that point, we expect to have one or more offtake agreements and the way we've been, you know, looking at structuring uh, with the battery supply chain of the car makers is they may have an upfront payment on signing um, and then they're going to write a big check um, when when we have to make a construction decision. So, you know, for us, it it, it gives us the leverage in all those discussions over the, over the next year because we, you know, we don't, don't need any money until any next year. Because we, we talked about, you said, I don't, we don't need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people don't know quite know how to, how to read you as a result. Right. Right. Yeah. So I get the take it while it's there conversation yeah. lots of the companies who did that last year took it then where we hauled across the coals for it and now they look like geniuses yeah why should we look at you now and go that was a smart move i'll take it when it's there yeah but wasn't it expensive no i mean we raised so if you look back at when we've raised money so again you always want to be ready to to take take uh, to be in a position to get capital when it's available at a good price so uh, you know, just over a year ago, you know, we raised money when the LME froze. Share prices moved higher. There's a lot of investor interest in nickel. And so we were able to raise, you know, $50 million. The second piece of it, yeah, again, too, off the back of the Anglo deal, which is, you know, the first major mining company endorsement of one of these big uh, bulk tonnage projects. Again, you know, we we're able to raise money, um, you know, uh, at, at the same price that we, we did effectively the same price we did for the, for the Anglo deal. The key thing is, 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 is raising capital is then what you do with it, right? right? So, you know, with the first tranche, we've got the feasibility study through, we've launched the permitting, you know, we are several steps ahead of, of most of the other major projects there, you know, who haven't even started the permitting process and, and haven't even started something that starts, you know, with a feasibility study at this point in time, you know, this capital that we just raised, you know, is going to allow us to complete the feasibility study is going to allow us to advance uh, uh, permitting dramatically. It's going to allow us to step around our regional properties where we've announced a whole series uh, of excellent results uh, over, over the last few months. And so, again, you know, can I get you know, one times, two times, three times, five times value on that money? Absolutely. Okay. Well, you need to deliver that, right? So yeah. We, we, the feasible study isn't here yet. So kind of when that was yeah, it's going to be mid, mid this year. Mid this year? Yeah. Okay. And, and the Q2 or there, there, Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Okay. Um, We've then got to work out how do we value this company 
without without between now and then, we've got to value this company in yep. some way, sense, or form. There's a few deals happening out there at the moment. Just saw uh, uh, Mincor hit the headlines yep. again. What, what does that inform us at all about where, where you could be? Well, again, that's another great data point. You know, in the market, we've seen most of the nickel sulfide projects that have been around for more than ten years have all been acquired. Uh, in the last 18 months, we've saw seen the two sort of standalone nickel producers. So Western Areas got acquired by Independence Group, you know, a short while ago. Even in today's market downturn, um, you know, Mincor was trading at about a dollar fifty before Christmas time. We traded up to a buck eighty mid-January, and, and like all of us, you know, we've seen our share prices come off because of all the economic uncertainty. You know, they were a dollar four two days ago, and Wiley's made a cash offer at a dollar forty a share which values them, you know, at over $500 million US, which is equivalent to over a dollar US a pound per pound of nickel resource that they have in the ground. So for, for a company like us, you know, that's going to have a couple billion pounds uh, or more uh, of resource in the mine plan, you know, that's a fantastic number and a fantastic benchmark for us in terms of, again, what ultimately the value of this company could be. Okay. So, okay, we'll, we'll go away and take a look at what, what, the Mincor deal looks like and, and the reasons why. Maybe yeah. there's a comp to comp to be joined there for, for sure. Um, okay, so you, mid, mid-year, get it. Yeah. You've got the money now to kind of get you there. Yeah. Where does this thing, where do you take this thing out to? Because I'm just looking at the announcement on read. Obviously, yeah. a, again, more more pounds, more pounds, more pounds. Yeah. You're, you're delivering on that front and this thing's going to get to the, quite a hefty size. So in terms of economic studies, h- how do you handle that on each of the, you know, you've got a bunch of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of work, a lot of money yeah. to be specified. Yeah. yeah. So the key thing is is really around just just unlocking the exploration potential right. of each of the properties. Because that at the end of the day, it, as I said before, you know, we want to be in a position so that if a hostile bid does come over, you know, we've demonstrated that, you know, not only Crawford is is is, you know, could be a mine, that there's the potential for all of these other deposits we have, you know, to demonstrate that they have the resource potential, you know, that we think exists at Crawford. So Crawford, again, pushing it forward. So feasibility study, uh, advancing the permitting, you know, on track for permitting by mid-2025. And we're about a third of the way through the permitting process, you know, and haven't hit any roadblocks at this point. And, and again, we expect to continue to advance that pretty dramatically. We put Scotia and Deutsche Bank in as equity project advisors. We're just about to appoint a project debt uh, advisor. So again, we're going to put, you know, to be able to start putting the financing plan together. And again, people like Scotia and Deutsche Bank don't get up, you know, unless they know there's... A pretty good chance they're going to get a check at the end of it. So, you know, I think, you know, they're involved because they see that, you know, the quality of the project, the quality of the team and, you know, where we are that, you know, that there's, you know, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to get that the equity portion of the project together. The debt project advisors have been courting us for two years because, again, they, they see the potential of, of Crawford in this environment. When we get to the rest of the assets, so the one piece uh, that we, to the puzzle that we added recently was Texmont. It's a small, uh, high grade. Uh, near-term production potential, you know, and, and what that gives us, um, because it was a past producer, because it's a, you know, will be an open pit that comes to surface, and and we're going to start small scale. You know, we believe we'll have to see if the res- the drilling comes through, and so far it's all looked pretty good. Um, is that you know we will be able to get that to a point where we can bring that into production um, by 2025 with a relatively low amount of capital, you know, to start getting nickel pounds into the market. But that's over and above the money. Raise them. The money you've raised at the moment is to get the feasibility stud done, Crawford up to a point where it's attractive to strategic. Right. right. No, no. And then we also raised $6 million in flow through 
uh, which will allow us to drill off Texmont um, and then do some of the, and that's targeted for the other regional exploration at, at this point in time. Yeah, but, but okay, so yeah. Here's, here's the important thing for people to understand. Yeah. Is the, is the, the picture you're building here, because yeah. Crawford, you got Reed, you got a bunch of other assets, yeah. which could match those, right? Yep. Yeah. Those things need funding and those things happen over a, a, a time frame. And yeah. I'm interested in like, where do you release or capture the value? Do you say, right, I'm going to get strategic for particular for so far, I can yep. strategic it, bump that off. Yep. I'm going to focus on re, do this cookie cutter. Right? Yep, yep, Six, rinse, repeat. And I go yep. about 12 others. Yeah, yeah. And do the same thing. Because this is a big region you're talking about. Yep. Regional plays. Yep. Most people come in here, juniors, they're talking about regional plays. They couldn't deliver it if you gave them a roadmap. Right. Right? Yep. Why is it going to be different with you? Um, a, because our team, you know, was successful taking Dumont from resource stage through to fully permitted construction ready. We've taken Crawford, you know, in less than four years from the fifth drill hole um, through to, you know, one third permitted, one third down the permitting path and, uh, you know, well on to the feasibility study, which is about one third to one half of the time right. that people would take for a fraction of the capital that most people would take to get there. And because we have um, sort of this, the, the, the geological templates in place that we've been able to successfully do. And then the, I think the, the big thing with the read announcement that we, we, we put out last week was we just took the same flow sheet, that mineral processing flow sheet that we took for Crawford. We took some uh, read samples. Again, we took some higher grade, higher suprenalyzed just to see how well it worked. And yeah, it worked really well. You know, we delivered, uh, you know, 46% nickel concentrate with over half of it, you know, grading 60% nickel, you know, which is the highest, the, about the highest test um, that we've done so far in, in all the material that we've, they've done in our body. So, so, you know, the fact that we've now developed this template with Crawford, we'll just take those templates, apply them to these other projects, make the, make, we'll make these other projects happen even faster and cheaper than we've done with Crawford, but we won't spend big amounts of capital on them until we get full value for Crawford, right. or we'll look for other ways to finance that are non-dilutive to Crawford to be able to get that money okay. going. We can bring partners in, we can raise money specifically for those assets, right. you know, that don't dilute our current shareholders' exposure well, to Crawford. I'm kind of getting at is yeah. because if, it, if you can conflate the activities with the same budgets, nothing finishes, right? Yeah. So you referenced Dumont there, right? Yeah. That thing's still out for sale there, and I yeah. don't know where this case of uh, Waterstone looking for too much money, or uh, technically no one believes in it, or what, what? What? What's going on there? But yeah, I'm more interested in what, how you get these monetization events, these value capture moments for your shareholders. Yeah, over time, or at least had over someone else at some point. Yep, where your shareholders benefit. So there's a clear rope. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. Yep. Yep. Crawford. Yep. So funded through to the through to the delivery of the full. Full feasibility study in, in, into early 2024. So that, that gets us. Yeah. Is the, yeah. Is the hope. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, offtake partner. Yeah. Offtake. Yeah. We've got our strategic with, with the Anglo. Anglo. Yeah. 9.9%. Yeah. There is. Yeah, there is. There could be. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's really about off offtake that you're looking for then, which kind of gives you. Yeah. Because what we'll need to do for, for Crawford basically you know, between early 2024 and a construction decision in 2025, right. you know, there's there's the remaining amount of permitting work that needs to be done. There will be detail engineering that you would like to do to be able to hit the ground running in, in mid-2025. Um, the good thing is that's relatively scalable based on the financing that's available. Yeah. This year is the heavy work for permitting because yeah. you have to file what's called your environmental impact statement, you know, and that's where you need to do a pile of test work. You, you, ha you pay 
engineering firms to interpret all that test work and put it into the forms and, and stuff that the government agencies who are reviewing the material for the permit can digest and you get binders worth of documentation that gets generated. So so this is the big spend year for, for the permitting process. You know, the, the amount of capital we'll, we'll need for that final 18 months is the, the stuff that we'd need to spend on is relatively small. And so again, quite confident that one of these offtake guys based on the increased pace of discussions uh, that we're having, you know, is we'll have one or more of those in place before year end, which will give us that check, you know, right. to take us through. Okay, so there's a few things running in my head at the moment. Yeah. So look at Mincor, if I look at that, that count yeah. there, there's two, two billion pounds. That's quite a big number. A dollar a pound, yeah. Right, dollar a pound. Yeah. See. Um, I've got the two billion. <laughs> it is, is really, um, you know, how a the capex on a project like this gets done, right? So I, yeah. I spoke to a company earlier in the week coal company yeah. yeah they've got a few limitations around obviously with esg and anti-fossil fuel yeah rhetoric going around in terms of access to funding which would have been available isn't available but he said don't you worry matt because i've got industry partners with big balance sheets who don't care about this that sort of stuff right they just want access chinese indians japanese koreans want access to what we've got met yeah yeah for you guys, perhaps you know how some of the anti-rhetoric, maybe yeah. undermining like everyone does, but no, there's no sort of negative sentiment there, but there is a big capex number attached to this yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So do, obviously Anglo, Anglo is aboard, aboard, they've got a big balance sheet. Yeah. And if you're worried of the off-take partners, presumably they're going to have a decent-sized balance sheet. Yeah. But for you, how do you play that competitive tension thing with um, whoever it is is going to come in here with a a ton of money to actually do this thing. Are there enough buyers out there? My... Oh, no, that that is 100% why we got Scotia and Deutsche Bank on board in, in October, November. You know, it was very clear that there was, you know, there would be an uh, an easy way to, to create a bunch of tension. You know, if, if, if I could just do it on my own and there was one or two people to do it, there's no sense paying someone, you know, they're paying their fee to get involved in that. But... There is so much demand now from all of the auto OEMs who realize, A, there's very few nickel projects that can come on by the latter part of this decade. There's even fewer nickel projects that can deliver low to zero carbon nickel um, that they'd love to have by the, the, the latter part of this decade. And what's interesting is within, within, within the battery supply chain, all of the components of it want to be the one who actually controls the material. So you have the precursor maker. You have the cathode maker, you have the battery maker, and the and the OEM, and they all want to be the person who owns 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 yeah. There's the one that delivers the metal to whoever needs to get it, and so each one of them is interested because they're making billion dollar investments on plant capacity to process that raw material that shows up. So again, to end up writing a several hundred million dollar check um, as part of their overall shift into the EV market. You know, is something you know that's doable. You know, something that is definitely within the realm of their balance sheets. And and again, in in this environment in the EV space, all of the governments that are involved, whether it's Korea, Japan, the United States, Europe, there you know, there there's a range of funding capacity that can help enable those companies that just they need to use their balance sheet, but it'll be guaranteed or it'll be some additional incentives provided by you know, an export agency or, or some other government agency that'll help, you know, make it easier for them to spend the capital to get what they need. So, uh, again, this is, this is one of these, you know, unique moments, you know, in the, in the metals market, I think you'd probably have to go back to world war two, you know, to see the, as much government interest in getting raw materials to wherever they need, uh, to get to. 
Yeah, get an analogy. Yeah, get an analogy. Yeah, again, we've been because we've been talking to uh, a, a company earlier this week who's going to come up with their own autoclave, but they can't fill it, so they've had to decommission it. Right. So deck four is a case of well, to get that thing back up and running, it's enough three hundred million bucks. But that's not the painful part. The painful part is the fact that that whole supply chain down chain from there is it can't be filled. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, so the knock-on effect is is great, and I can see why governments and why. OEMs and battery manufacturers are, are getting getting involved in this thing. Um, right, so you you been clear about your portfolio of assets. Yeah. This little outlier of this high, high grade, get into production cheap, quickly. Yeah. Remind. I know we've had the conversation previously yep. about why you get all are getting distracted by something so. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it gives us a chance to get you know three to five thousand tons of nickel on the market by twenty twenty five. Each one of those players. You know, as much as as small as that number is, they're desperate to get additional material in that time frame. So that allows us to give gives us another leg up on someone else who's got just a project that's going to come to at some point in the future. You know, from a, from a from a capex perspective, it'll be relatively small. We can use contractors to do it. So in terms of the amount of capex you need to deploy it, um, it's a, it'll be a relatively low capex option. To get there and in terms of management attention because again we don't want to get diverted you know we're going to deliver a resource and then an initial pa and then during that pa process if it's it's clear that this project is going to go forward you know we'll bring a team in so we'll have team crawford you know and, and again it won't be a big team it'll be a couple of people you know who can then work through and make sure we're able to get Texmont permitted you know get the right engineering study done so again you know if we can uh you know get shovel in the ground if the numbers work you know by early part of 2025. okay Nickel market look Yeah. So we're going through what I call the great convergence. Um, you know, talked about at the beginning of the year that, you know, LME prices are high. We're seeing massive discounts on, on everything intermediate. Um, you know, fundamentally there's a you know nickel pig iron can't be exported from China and that creates that big, big gap. But what I said, by the you know, by the end of the year, we're gonna see LME prices lower than wh- where they would be relative to to where we're starting. Um, and we'll see those discounts compress. And so what's amazing, <laughs> it was going to take six to eight months to do that, um, but we're already on the nickel sulfate side, you know, where the discounts were like 20% below the LME price, you know, at when we last talked at the end of January, they're now down to 3%, which is where I expect them to be um, going. I, you know, sulfate will trade at a premium from time to time, but I think you'll see going forward, just like cobalt sulfate, nickel sulfate traded a small discount to the, to the nickel price going forward. So that gap's already there. On the NPI side, stainless is a little bit sluggish in China still. So we, you know, the gap has closed. It hasn't quite closed as much. But again, I think in another three or four months, we'll we'll see that we'll see that all resolved. And again, even with the big drop in nickel prices, we're still over trading over ten dollars a pound. And and we use seven seventy five for our PEA. You know, we'll use a higher number for our feasibility study. But you know, there's a, there's a lot of room between seven seventy five and today's quote. Low nickel price. For sure, for sure. And it's a fair shop in the US. You know, in the, in the UK, the news, the TV used to finish on a light-hearted story. So this is my equivalent of that. Mm-hmm. So, did you see read the uh, story about the LME and um, finding, instead of nickel, they found a, effectively a big bag of rocks? Yes. That's quite fun. Yes, yeah. Ex- just think things can get anything else. Yeah, yeah. We're going to send a little picture to the LME. Which of these is nickel and not nickel, just so they can tell it as it goes into the warehouse. So, yeah. Pretty funny. Anyway, Mark, thanks for coming in. Nope. See Great to see you, sir. Um, we'll catch up with you soon. For sure.